listening to Designers Unfiltered, the podcast that's all about empowering, educating, and inspiring you to build your very own profitable interior design business. I'm Court. And I'm Riz. Together, we will uncover insider tips and tricks and explore the untold stories of other successful designers. We are here to entertain, educate, and unpack the industry's best kept secrets. Designers Unfiltered is your go-to podcast for leveling up and living your best interior designer life. Welcome back to another episode of Interior Designers Unfiltered. Woohoo! Today we are here with Kate Lawrence Parker. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. We are so excited to have you on this episode. Thank um, you. I'm excited yeah. to be asked on it. Long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> Number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny so yeah. tell us a bit about yourself and your background and the business that you have yeah yeah so, so I obviously am an interior designer um and I work for myself uh I started my business oh, I think at the end like I pretty well graduated from design school and then I the plan was always to work for myself I kind of always just wanted to do my own projects and I didn't even think about having clients. I thought I'd always just work on my own jobs. Um, but anyway, that changed. Um, so yeah, I started the business probably the end of 2018. Um, and yeah, here we are. So I specialize in mostly just residential design. I'll do a couple of commercial designs, mainly just like salons and small kind of projects, but my main thing is residential design so yeah so when you like actually opened Kate Lawrence Interiors you were doing like your own project so you were doing like developments yes so why why I started interiors I guess was I had been doing renovations with my now husband but at the time boyfriend Luke um and we we just loved it so we were kind of just like one project, next project, next. Like we constantly would, every single time we'd finish one, we were on to the next one. So I really like got a feel for, I suppose, building, being around building and and I suppose a little bit design because you had to make decisions on the go. Um, but that's kind of what sparked my curiosity to uh, to want to actually make interior design a legitimate thing. So I left my full-time job in media um and I started like I went back and studied interior design and got a casual part-time job in retail and started again and um yeah but it was always just doing our own renovations which then kind of led further to like developments we've done a couple of duplexes now but yeah always around building yeah cool I think that's cool like you started um you know doing your own projects and then you found something that you're really passionate about and obviously very good at yeah, so, no, it was cool because it was kind of just like organic. Like it just, you know, like you're like, oh, what what do I want to do when I'm older? But like it just came to me. It was like, um, yeah, I knew that that is exactly what I wanted to do because not everyone loves building. Like some people find it really stressful, which is why we have a job. Um, but like I feel like <laughs> <laughs> we love it. So yeah. um, it's nice to then be able to kind of like turn something you love into your actual work. Yeah, and I think having the passion is so important because you want to go to work. So definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where did you actually study? So I studied at Sydney Design School. Yeah, so I did a two-year. I think it was two years. Um, there, and I went in a three. Oh gosh, I can't remember now. I'm probably making things up, but I think I went in three days a week. Um, 
and it was so hard, like loved it, but I'd done a uni degree, which was a breeze. You went on uni holidays for six weeks and it was amazing. And then this design course was just like, yeah, so intense. Um, you couldn't just like do assignments the night before. You actually had to work hard and, yeah, I, I loved it. It was like being back at school in your favourite subject with like like-minded people and I, I I loved like I loved where I studied. It was awesome. Yeah, we always have people ask us like recommendations of where they should study and stuff and like I didn't study here so I don't really know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> just go and study. I know some people ask and I'm like, I don't know if I should say, oh, go to uni or go to, I mean, I think it's like whatever works for you at the time. Like for me, yeah. maybe I'd say now, oh, what have I chose to do a university degree? And like maybe, but at the time I was like, I need something that's a quicker course. Um I didn't want to go back to uni. I'd already done a uni degree and it just like wasn't the environment that I loved. And and I went and I saw the school and I just got a really good like feeling from it. So I feel like that's why I chose it. But then I know lots of other people that have studied at other design schools or how they've gone and done interior architecture. And I don't know, I just feel like. Yeah, there's so many different there's courses. So many. Yeah, there's so many different courses. There is. Um, And to be honest, I learned so much on through my developments like even when we were studying there was things that would come up that like maybe other class members mates didn't know because they hadn't been around a building site so like it's like any kind of qualification or degree or diploma or whatever you learn when you're actually on the job and And I think that's like when you go to university it's very like theory based yeah Yeah, exactly job is not theory based no (laughs) you need to be hands-on you need to be actually learning in action um to develop those skills and yeah, I think as well like you either have it or you don't yeah okay like, okay about it or you're not passionate about it and school yeah. so if you don't love it like no like design school is hard like if you don't love it you're yeah. just gonna be like fuck this yeah oh totally you drop out you would yeah. you've got it's so Thank hard too. and like even working like you know in it you've got to love it like it's um like it's we have an awesome job but it's also like can be kind of quite draining at times because it's so like you're on all the time and it's such a customer service-based job where you're literally holding people's hand through like what can be a very stressful time for them or a very like you know the most emotional time for them because it's so personal they're spending so much money I feel like yeah you gotta love it Oh yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Otherwise, the challenges take over. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I guess, like with that sort of being said, obviously we both work with clients. Yeah. Um, what was sort of like the challenges that you found once you actually started taking on your own clients instead of doing like your own personal stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's always so many challenges. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think my biggest thing was uh, boundaries um around oh gosh there's gonna be so many that come to come to this <laughs> call but I think um some challenges were no actually I start from the beginning challenges were pricing how much should I be charging people um because it's a creative job I feel like sometimes we undersell ourselves and we're like oh you know our job is fun therefore we shouldn't be charging much and so for like quite a while I was charging like nothing like and I was so burnt out and so resentful um and it wasn't until 
I started to like actually charge properly that I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, as in I can actually live and have a proper income. So I think charging, I found a, a massive challenge um, because I, yeah, just feeling like I was worth it and feeling like I could, you know, say to my clients, this is how much my services are. Um, so I think that was one challenge when taking on clients. Um, and then another was boundaries, which was like just around, you know, contacting outside of hours, which to be honest, I'm not really any better at this now. So I don't, <laughs> it's still a but challenge. You know that you shouldn't be doing it, but yeah, I know. I definitely think I have built some more boundaries around me. Um, but I think, yeah, just like setting those kind of rules in place, it's still coming across really personal. I don't know. I feel like it's such a challenge. Um, yeah, even till this day, it is it is challenging to kind of have those boundaries. But otherwise, you just burn out. Like, I just feel yeah. like if, they, if you're allowing every client to contact you on Friday night and Saturday morning and, you know, all the time, then you're just going to, again, get resentful. So I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same word in my head then. I was like, yep, I used to resent so many clients when they'd be like texting me on a Saturday. And I'm like, oh, hang on. I didn't actually tell them that they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, and then you might text back. So it's like, well, you're enabling yeah. them. So I I always, like every single time I'd text back because I felt so rude if I didn't text back. I know. And that's it. You feel rude when it's like, yeah, yeah, a work email that comes through like to someone that works in a bank or something, they're not going to, they might, but they're not necessarily going to respond till Monday. So it's like, we shouldn't also, like, it's not that important, but sometimes we tell ourselves that it is. Yeah. And it takes a minute to, I think, adapt to that, but I'm you used to tell me all the time, well, why are you writing back for it? I'm like, well, oh, it's dead. Well, she'd be complaining like, oh, they just keep contacting me. I'm like, well, are you writing back? Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think that that's it, isn't it? It's like my sister said that to me once. She's like, well, if you're writing back, like you're enabling it. Therefore, you're angry at yourself. You're not angry at them. Like they're yeah. not, they don't know any better. Okay. You've allowed that. So that's what I'm like. It's my fault. Like take yeah. ownership, Kate, about your yeah. <laughs> no boundaries. <laughs> acknowledge that I didn't do that like I wouldn't finish it and I'd be like oh why are they doing this now upon reflection I think like everything and like we talk about this so much like in our course and stuff like that but just like communication trumps everything in business like if you're not communicating with your clients you Mm -hmm. can't blame them for doing things that annoy you because you actually haven't told them that they can't do that yeah that sort of thing so if you stop and think about it too I'm sure that we've all done the same thing to someone at some point yeah oh 100 yeah and like even when you're sort of in like tricky situations which happen all the time when you're dealing with the public um just like communicating with them yeah definitely people just like immediately put their wall up and they're like this client's like just irate like they're ridiculous Mm -hmm. but like you actually haven't communicated to them what your boundaries are how things work what your process is all of those sort of things yes oh yeah agree communication is like really hard for people because you have to have sometimes those honest conversations or maybe you feel uncomfortable in, in something that you have to say to them but like they I feel like the more I've learned to be a good communicator the better result I get and the more like respect that you build with each other um and I don't think that you should think that communicating means that you're like being like dismissive or rude or anything. I don't think I've never been rude to any client and I love to build really beautiful relationships with my clients. But like, I just feel like, yeah, learning to just say what you need to say and and communicating effectively. And then it, it is such a better, like you're running a better business. 
yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure and your clients like when you are communicating to them and like telling them how it is and even if a conversation is not easy mm-hmm. like respect for you yeah great yeah if a client doesn't and they are just like horrible then they really probably shouldn't be your client yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely like, red flag Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although we've had not just clients, but builders used to text me because our numbers, like my numbers, our work number. And mm-hmm. it's like 4 a.m. in the morning, builder would contact me to be like, oh, hey, Rusty coming to site today. Um, blah, blah, blah is coming in early. And I'm like, wait, it's 4 a.m. First of all. Oh, like, builders and tradesmen are the worst. They're the worst. They're up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. <laughs> I had to squish that one really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like as well, um how do you find sort of balancing like your work life and your personal life yeah setting boundaries the clients yeah Mm. I I think that's something that like I'm even still like learning um work-life balance when you have your own business is hard but at the same time because you have your own business you do like for example I might be able to do this podcast today because, um, you know, I work for myself and I would make up this hour somewhere at like another time. Um, or like I might be able to go to lunch with Luke um, and then I'll have to, you know, work maybe a little bit later. So I'm still doing the hours and I feel like when you run your own business, you're doing more hours, like, but it's yours. So it's not as bad. Whereas yeah. if you were doing it for someone else, you're resentful. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's just, you know, I do things like I'll go to, sorry, I'm just putting my laptop on charge. It's going to die. Um, I, like I go to the gym every single morning. That's my time. I will go and get a coffee as like a break. And that's like, again, work-life balance. But like I get to go out and like, you know, go to the local coffee shop and like have a chat with the girls that work there. And I feel like I definitely have things in my day, which give me a sense of work-life balance but in saying that when it's your own business you you do have to work hard so yeah and like what about your weekends and stuff do you work on weekends like what sort of your boundaries with that sort of stuff um I try not to work on the weekends but like anything there is times where I I need to get a job done or there's just something on my mind and I just am going to feel stressed on the weekend so I might wake up early on a Saturday and do a couple of hours and I feel like I'm a little bit ADD. So like my couple of hours can be like someone's eight hours. Like I could do two yeah. hours and I've smashed out a whole day. Um, so I will have weekends where I do do a little bit of work. Um, but I do try, like I do try have, you know, a nice weekend off. I feel like as well, we work in this industry that is very creative. And I know for me, like, I don't wake up every day and I'm not in the zone some days. Not 100%. So you got to be- Some days I'll wake up on a Saturday and I'm like, oh my God, like I have so many ideas and all of these things. So I'll work like- Agree, agree. So it's really working that traditional, like, oh, you work nine to five or whatever the hours are because we work in an industry that's creative. So if you're not feeling creative, you're not going to be giving your Mm. best. Do you work anyways? Yeah, it's so true. Sometimes I go to bed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, what are you saying? I said, um, like for me, I think what is the point of me working in that mind space where I don't feel creative if I'm doing stuff that isn't like boring admin or, you know, that sort of stuff where I don't need to yeah. feel creative. But yeah. um, for the majority of, the, of our work, it's, you know, doing social media posts and doing designs for our clients and all of that sort of stuff. So you need to be in that mind space. Yeah. 
Agree. It, 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 it's so, you're so right with like everything you just said. I feel like some days you just don't have any creativity or any energy and I'll literally get nothing done. And other days it's just like everything's flowing together and I want to spend 12 hours, you know, getting something done. So I work off that. I work off like my energy and if I I don't have it, then I'm not going to present something to my client that I'm proud of and I'll have to redo it anyway. So yeah. Mm. And that's the nice thing about owning your own business is that you have the flexibility to work whenever you want. You want to work at 2 a.m.? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Although I can't say I've ever done that. No, I don't Um, wake up at 2 a.m. going, oh my God. Although I'm really creative. (laughs) I I feel like I come up with my best ideas when I'm sleeping. Oh, really? Mine's in the shower. I'm like one of those people who need to have a notepad near my bed just to like. Yeah, so you can write it down. Yeah. I think mine's in bed too because I'll have nights where I'll be going to bed and I'll say to Luke, hey, I'm just going to go out and do some work. And it's like 11 o'clock and it's like an idea has come to me. (laughs) I think that's why I couldn't have staff because. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, she's crazy. (laughs) I feel like if I have a dream and normally like I have dreams about like jobs that are happening and like changes that come to my mind. So I like wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and go, oh my God. And then I have to like text Courtney straight away. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. Or like if I'm in the shower, I'll just be thinking about work. I don't know why, but I always do. And then it's like, oh shit. Okay, cool. That's the solution to this situation. Or we need to put this in or whatever, whatever. And it's just, I don't know, weird moments for me all the time. Yeah. And I think because you have your own business and you love it, mm-hmm. uh, you don't care that you're working no. in weird I just hours. Don't switch off. No. Well, mm. as a business owner, you don't switch off. No. no, you never switch off. And I do, like, I have had moments where I find it kind of tiring. Like, I think I'm going through a patch right now where I've got a lot of jobs on the go at once and and then you've got all the admin as well. But I just... I just took on an angel named Molly and I was going to ask you about that. And I was like, who is this email? (laughs) Molly. She's amazing. Um, Shout out to Molly. Uh, (laughs) She is doing like all the ad, like a lot of admin in my business. So responding to new inquiries, um, contracts, uh, email sorting, calendar, like just things that sometimes when you have like so much on your mind and just mental overload, I just needed, I made a decision to find someone who would be good at that. And anyway, I've like found a gem. So that's very helpful. Um, I think as well, like it was now, but Molly's great. (laughs) That's awesome. I think, yeah, as designers, we're creative. So when you have like mundane office tasks, like it's great. Yes. You just spend so much time doing your calendar and contracts and invoicing and all of that stuff yeah. that we're doing what you have to do to make money. <laughs> totally. And and you have to do it like as in I've been doing all of that for like however since 2018, like by myself. It's only now that I've got to a point where I can have someone do that. But it is good to like do it yourself because you you know yeah. the whole part of your business and you've worn every single hat. But like, yeah, it is nice sometimes to be able to offload some things onto others, which is why you guys, I guess, are so lucky being like a duo. It's like you have each other. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm just like building my own little team around me that is has different strengths to me, um, but all remote. So I don't have That's to do cool. my 11 p.m. working <laughs> Just get some million emails from you. Yeah. <laughs> I scheduled them now. 
<laughs> every yeah. email eight eight thirty five or something random. So it looks like I legitimately sent it at eight thirty five, not at <laughs> not eleven. Well, now she's <laughs> when she listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny and uh we saw that you have your new studio space open yes I do see it but um yeah so I was kind of looking um at getting a space because I just needed some I needed to leave the house and that again is just part of like our creativity I feel like you either need your own space in your house which is dedicated to work or a place that makes you feel good I don't know some people go to co-working spaces or or whatever is good for them but I was like I need to get out of the house like I'm feeling like I'm going a little bit crazy um so I was looking at uh, renting like a commercial space um and then we decided to sell our house and move again and um the house that we're living in now has like a detached, um, like kind of like a garage, I guess, at the back of the block. So we completely gutted it and renovated it and turned it into like a little studio. Yeah. And now I have like joinery galore and samples. Ever, it's so great. It's um, it's nice to feel like organized and yeah, out so of my house. Your stuff there, and you have like a designated spot. Do you still feel like because it's like at your house? Do you does it sort of fulfill that need of like getting out of the house yeah it does like I'm so much more productive since having this like it's so good um I think because I literally have to walk out of my house and come to it maybe that's like psychological uh, psychological yeah I'm leaving the house um I actually think it works better for me like for a while I wanted the separate space like you know, in a suburb near me, but now I'm like, because I am random in my hours. And as we were talking about before, like an idea comes to you and you kind of, you want to go back to work. Or I think for me and the way I work, this is like the best setup for me. Um, and also I put a bit of money into like doing all the joinery and, and I'm like, at least that if my rent, you know, if the tenant wanted to kick you out or, you know, put up your rent you'd have to like take everything out that you've invested whereas now I'm like well I've invested it but it's in my home so mm, yeah kind of like that. yeah um but yes I'm definitely more productive since having this yeah that's awesome yeah it looks so nice and bright and airy and like <laughs> I know you can't really like it got really nice oh yeah, that's stunning nice. I love, yeah. love that you've got um salt series artwork behind you I know I've moved her where with me everywhere I go I'm yeah. like Gaz is behind us too oh ah, yeah I love it. Shout out to Katie. Okay, go Katie. <laughs> You're in both our rooms. That's so funny. <laughs> I think it's like so funny because I think like uh, we have a very sort of similar style design, um, but I feel like recently you've sort of come into like a very distinct style with everything that you've been posting. Um, what do you, how do you describe your like interior design style? It's so funny because you're like another friend who's a designer said the same thing to me like recently about like I have a distinct style and she can know when it's my job and I'm like that's so weird like I wouldn't think that but yeah it's, yeah, you definitely it's, do. yeah um I think my style oh it's not like one word it's multiple but yeah, I know you're gonna like, say <laughs> <laughs> we're like random all these random words put together yeah. yeah I feel like it's a blend because it's kind of almost like it's I use like natural earthy products and materials but I feel like it's also quite minimalist 
Um, So, yeah, I don't know how you would describe that, but I always like to use natural products, um, timbers, real stone, concrete. um, But then I feel like I have lots of like kind of clean lines. Um, Yeah. How would you describe my style? I don't know. Exactly how you just did. <laughs> it's a bit like Japandi. Japandi. Yeah, it's a bit Japandi. It is a little bit. Yeah. Out of the whole year. <laughs> um, yeah, we're definitely minimalistic, I think so, but very earthy, organic. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how I like yeah. design. But I think it's cool that, you know, people can look at your designs and know that it, yeah, like, it's that's a awesome. Kate Lawrence design. Like yeah. A- no, it is nice. It's like, I feel like my style is just like evolved naturally over time and it's kind of like evolved from clients I guess um I remember one of my first clients she almost helped me define my style in a way because she her and I probably had very similar styles but I was you know this was quite a couple you know a number of years ago and she was you know middle-aged and very stylish and um I feel like she gave me confidence to like, I mean, I obviously like color and I, you know, I don't really use it that much, but I, I do have a real appreciation for color and people who design with color. And it's probably something I would like to do a bit more of, but at the time I felt like I had to use color to be creative and come up with like, um, I don't know, just, I just felt like that's what I had to do for some odd reason that was just in my mind. And because she didn't want any color and she just wanted like these beautiful materials and textures um, and her whole house had just like such a calming, like a calmness about it. And I feel like she kind of gave me the confidence to be like, that is my style and I'm okay with that. And I don't need to use color. So that's why I've always had like, oh, you know, minimal color, creating calming spaces. That's what I have in my Instagram um, and it kind of was born from her. So that's, like, so nice. that's so nice. Oh, I love yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I take stuff from like every client. I feel like they, you know, they employ you and I feel like we give them a great service, but every single client can teach you something or just based on like their personal preference or something that they've had in another home. And I feel like if you, you know, stop and listen and don't think that you know everything that you can actually like learn a lot from your clients yeah and I think as well like the biggest part of our job is making sure that a space obviously looks beautiful but also is extremely functional for them I think it's really interesting like when our clients say like oh well my me and my family do this so we need to have this item in the home and you're like I would have never even yeah that in my house like (laughs) you know what I mean like definitely a good idea like yeah so yeah. it's often people that are like cooks or have come from like big family, like ethnic backgrounds or like, I don't know, when I was designing the kitchen for my mom, she taught me hate, like she was like, I need this in the kitchen and I need a place for this. And, and it made me now when I design kitchens for people, I'm like, have you thought about this? Or do you want something like that? And they're like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, well, I want that from my mom, from her kind of being a cook, like, you know, being an entertainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think with us as well, like, well, for myself, maybe in wet areas, like all the bathrooms, the things I've learned, you know, dating a Tyler has really helped with. Oh, that's so great. What a, what a like, smart decision you know, in your life. I know. And now I'm just like, oh, I sound so bloody smart when I'm on site. I'm like, we're going to put the strip drain there. We need to have this trim here, blah, blah, blah. You know, the grout's going to do this. And everyone just kind of goes, oh, okay. I'm like, she knows yeah. what she's talking about. Yeah. Again. Yeah. No, I think as well, like just tangent off of that 
it's such an important thing for like us designers to actually know those things, which well, I feel yeah. like our industry is becoming very saturated, which amazing. Love that. But there is a lot of like lack of knowledge of the actual construction yes. side. Or lack of communication. <clears throat> yeah. And um, it can get you in some pretty sticky situations, I think, if you don't like yeah. have knowledge of how things need to be built and if your design actually works or if it complies, like stuff yeah. like that. And, and that's why I think you need to lean on the tradesmen and build great relationships with tradesmen. And, and I'd say to anyone that's kind of like just starting who might not have necessarily have jobs yet, um, that like you still might know someone, you might know a plumber or an electrician or a builder. And it's just like, ask them. I ask so many questions. I'll like send my plans to builders and be like, hey, what do you think of these plans? Like, do you think this communicate, like you could easily like use these on site and it would help you or like I change things all the time based on like what is going to be the most um, helpful to the tradesman. And that's how I think you learn and you actually know the reality then of what it takes to build a house and what goes on on site. Even down to like scheduling, like that's changed for us over the past four years with how we document everything and send that through too. Yeah. 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 Like your selection schedules. Well, yeah, now thanks to programmer. Oh, I love programmer. Oh, invention. Yeah, I worked on the weekend when I discovered programmer. I was so excited. And Luke's just, like, what yeah. are you doing? And I'm like, this, oh my gosh, I found this program and it's just incredible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it saved me so much time. Yeah. That day you told me, oh my God, you were so excited. And I was like, Courtney, we need to get this. <laughs> oh, no more Excel, no more copy and pasting. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so good. But yeah, I think like all of those things, like, I mean, we're still forever learning. Like my partner is a builder and sometimes he'll be like, um, we can't do this. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why not? I've because seen a photo. Like, okay, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like Just like little things like that. But I think you have to be open to that collaboration with trades, which is so important yeah. so that you can actually like absorb all of their knowledge and implement it into your own business, because that's what makes a really good designer is that you can actually present a schedule and not have them come back with this thousand things being like, this isn't going to work. That's not going to work. You look so dumb in front of the client. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And the client's like, well, what do you mean? It's not going to work. And you're like, oh, well, I didn't think of this or I didn't think of this. And it's just sort of, you know, it sort of discredits your. Well, we've definitely been there and that's happened. Oh, hundred percent. You learn as you go. You're never going to know. We don't know everything. You can't know everything. And you can't learn that in like in a degree and studying, like it's just not. Yeah, but I think that's what I meant by on the job experience. That's where you learn, and you learn with every single one job will go one way, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, I learned so much! Now I know everything." And then the next job will happen, and you're like, "I thought I knew everything, and now I know more." Like, just, yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Um, so I guess as well, like before we were talking about your style and stuff, and I think this is like an interesting topic, like working with budgets with clients, because yeah. I mean, as designers, we want clients who. <laughs> don't have a budget Yes, and <laughs> in the perfect it. world. But I think it's like how we can actually create the best design for what their budget actually is. Yeah. How do you, how do you sort of implement, implement that into your own business? Um, I think uh, one, I guess, understanding their budget and that's not them saying, because often I find clients find it hard to articulate what their budget might be because they don't necessarily know yet or they want the best but don't necessarily want to pay for it. So uh, I think having good product knowledge and knowing where, like, 
you need to have good product knowledge in our job because then you know where you can go for different kind of clients. Um, how I kind of work with budgets with certain clients is I'll give them an option A and an option B. Um, so it might be like option A being the more expensive, option B being um, the second option, which is going to be cheaper, but it's also still going to give them kind of the look that we're trying to achieve. Um, that's normally how I tackle it, particularly around tapware because um, there can be such a major difference in pricing there. Um, and I'll do it with uh, flooring because timber flooring, again, you can set clients can save themselves a bit of money there. So, yeah, that's how I like to do it with clients. I'll give them an option A and an option B. Um, and then I say to them, you know, you see how you're going throughout the build. If a builder comes in and they're too expensive, um, well, then we can go to option B. Or, you know, you pick what's important to you. So if if the tapware is really important to you, let's go with option A and then we'll try save money in other places by going with option B. Yeah, we yeah. work very similar with that too. So like having the two options, um, not for everything because it just yeah. fine, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, we do normally like especially with joinery, sometimes I think clients break out with that pricing. Definitely. Um, Particularly some clients will be like, oh, I want timber veneer. And then they get it quoted and they're like, oh, it's so expensive. So then that's when we'd have like a polytech option or a, you know, new age veneer. Yeah. I think it's great though. Like we all show and be transparent to the clients as well. So like it keeps them in the loop with how much everything is. Yeah. yeah. I think like as designers, it's like the product knowledge. So you're going to know what the big ticket items are and where you can actually yeah. save money. Cause some things I'm like, yeah, we can go to something a bit cheaper, but you're going to be saving $500 or something that's exactly doesn't so much, matter yeah. in a build that's a million dollars or whatever they're spending. So yeah. I think having that product knowledge to be like, okay, this is actually going to save you a lot mm-hmm. of money, but you're still going to get the same look with this other product. Yeah. Absolutely. And even like knowing like tiles. So, okay, yeah, that tile's expensive, but you're only using four square meters of it. So that equates to $400. Like I think being able to communicate those things with them too. So they understand actually how much money they're saving rather than just like overall figures of that tiles, $600 a square meter. Um, That sounds so expensive, but it's like, yeah, but it's in such a small space. So is it worth the investment? Yeah. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, <laughs> I know girl um, mass. Yeah. yeah, I think it, 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 a lot of the time I'm like, okay, you have to have like good negotiation skills. Yeah, totally sales. <laughs> You're like, we need to have this because this is going to be amazing. Like, this is a non-negotiable for us as a designer. Yeah. So, how can we make everything else sound really cheap so that we can get this one item? You know what I mean? Yes, I know it's so true. So true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, just like selling it and the negotiation of those other things where you're like, okay, I don't care if they go. I don't care about that. Yeah. I'll let that go. Like, you know, it's like being in a relationship. It's like compromise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My thing is like stone. I'll be like, yes. Okay. Like we could get you, you know, some Caesar stone or whatever, but the natural stone, like say if I, cause I think that that's such an important part of like the design, then that's what I'll do. I'll try and negotiate with like, we'll, we'll save money here and here. And then, so we can still have the stone. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think when we're with our clients, I'm just like nonstop shut up about this particular item that I want in there. And yeah. as soon as I pass that and I've won, I just, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, yeah, the rest is fine. Whenever you I'm want. going home. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever else you want. I don't care as long as yeah. we have this one item. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we totally do that as well. <laughs> um, so I guess like, where do you actually, so you've been open since 2018. Yeah. Where do you see yourself going in the next five years? Like what, what are the business plans? Oh, 
That is a hard question. That's a really hard question. I've actually thought about this a lot, a lot recently, um, like with no conclusion. So um, <laughs> I think um, I definitely want to, and which I've already started doing. So like, you know, getting other people in my business um, so I can grow and still have the help. So I obviously have Molly and then Alvin, who's worked with me for two years. Um, so just thinking of different ways that I can use other people's skills um, to kind of, yeah, grow my business and make it more uh, like just not streamlined, but just more, I don't know the word, but like like running better, like a better well-oiled business. Um, because I do think like in a couple of years when I choose to have a family, it's probably not sustainable what I'm doing, like just working all the time. And, you know, I just feel like any friends that have kids, it's like, you can't just, I don't know, switch off and go to work. Like, yeah, particularly when it's your own business. Or, I mean, you would know, maybe you give me advice, yeah. but um, I recommend you have your business sorted. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think I just need to know. And I, I think I want to take on less clients. So I want to, take on maybe just a number of clients per year, um, but give them my everything. So it's like, I feel like everything, I mean, I give my clients my everything now, trust me, but like, just so I, yeah, I would like to limit it. Um, so that say I do 10 clients per year, um, and I cap it at that. And then all of my attention goes into those projects. And I feel like I have absolutely result, um, exhausted every single option in terms of design and materials and what I can present to them because I've had the time to give to them rather than taking on you know double the amount of clients and and just feeling like I could have maybe given like an extra one percenter um so yeah I think it might be like scaling down um but scaling up in in a way like that's exciting because I think when we you had your son we were not um streamlined <laughs> no and they're still not. <laughs> yeah but no, no one is I'm not um I feel like no matter what point, like point you are in your business you just always feel like there can be more there can be you know of course and that's the fun of it isn't it like I love adapting and finding new ways to do things and be more efficient like to me that just like ticks like it makes me like happy yeah, yeah. I think it's stimulating too like god would be so bored if you weren't always changing and adapting to like new things that were coming out or like wanting to improve the business. Yeah, mm, definitely. That's a good business owner. Yeah. Like you need to be wanting to do all those things to scale your business and all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, and there's always a better way to do something. Someone always knows more than you do. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah always- I love learning from people. I think yeah. it's like, it's great. Um, yeah. So I think that that's kind of in that way. And then um, in terms of like my own kind of projects and stuff, I feel like I'm, we're always going to be doing something there in that space. Um, it has been like nine to 10 years of just constantly next project to the next to the next. Um, so I'm a bit tired from it. Um, but maybe after I come back from Europe, I will feel differently. I'll be very yes. inspired. I'll be inspired. I'll be ready to go again. Um, because yeah, Luke and I love doing like our own projects together. It's kind of, I want to go back to that because that's why I loved it. And that's, you know, where it all started from. But sometimes when your hobby and your job become one, yeah, I don't know. I previously, I wasn't working with clients back then and now I am. So it's like, I'm doing design 
day in, day out. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like I need a holiday and then. You need yeah. a break. You need, you need a, a refresh. <laughs> I'll be back. You'll feel tired after being there. So lots yeah. of other beautiful things. Yeah. Um, And I guess just to close off, what's one valuable piece of advice for interior designers um, who are like entering into their own business or just into the industry to be Ooh. successful? Ooh, okay. Um, I mean, can I give more than one piece of advice? Talk <laughs> all you want. <laughs> um, so I'd say, and I kind of touched on this already, it's just like don't be afraid to ask questions um, to anyone that can help you, uh, whether it be other designers who might be willing to share. I mean, I'm always willing to share. Um, not everyone is, but yeah, uh, I think reaching out to people um, and other trades and just, yeah, learning, knowledge. My dad's always said knowledge is power. Um, and I just truly believe that. So I think that's number one. Number two is like, I think my biggest thing is being able to understand your client. I feel like there's something about our job, which I truly believe is like a little bit of psychology in what we do. Um, and I've always used my briefing sessions and my mood board as like the most important part of my business because it's during that period that I'm trying to truly understand them. Um, and by doing that, I then feel like you don't get as much kickback. Like then when you're presenting your work, you're not deflated because you should be presenting kind of what they want. There's always going to be changes, but it's not like you're presenting what you want. You're presenting what they want. Um, and I feel like it then won't lead to as much disappointment. You know, I often hear some designers be like, oh, this got torn apart or they wanted this, but they didn't want this. But I'm like, but maybe you then didn't truly understand what they wanted because I feel like that has been like, if I cut corners in that part of the process, I will feel that I've cut corners because it will come back to bite me. But if I take that part of the process, the briefing, the mood board, making sure it's like the most important grounding document that I can continue to go back to when I'm designing for them. If I'm truly understanding that, then I feel like everything else should be relatively easy. Yeah, I love that. I think that was long-winded, but... I was like, I love that. I think that <laughs> you just like described that. I mean, we implement implement that into our own business and believe strongly in that as well. But I think the way that you just described that is such like a good way to describe it. Because even for us, like we do mood boards, like a vision board before we dive into anything else. And we do not go anywhere until the client is like obsessed with the vision. Because it's a grounding document, you always yeah. go back to it. So if they're obsessed with that vision, anything that you present to them after that, you should all be on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Because you've, you've taken the time to get in their head. That's like what you have to do. So yeah, well, good. We do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's like the most effective part of my process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also love when like the builder's involved then and then we I send the vision board to the builder and I'm like, FYI, this is how it's going to look. And I'm like, and then they get excited. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's cool because you should you should be able to look at it. And that's what I say. I say it's a one-page or two-page document. You should look at it and it should encapsulate your, your style in a series of images. Like you should go, that is how my house is going to feel, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. And we always say that's the end goal. So if you're confused yeah. about selections, Go that back. is the end goal. That's what we're yeah. trying to achieve. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really good advice, actually. Love it. Yeah. So We have a surprise. Yeah, this is your surprise. So we know we, you love this so much. So oh. 
Welcome, Kate, to um, a bit of this, that. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Okay, so first question. Would you rather design a bathroom with a floor that's a giant trampoline or a bedroom with walls that change colours based on the occupant's mood? Oh. <laughs> um, I think I would go with the, um, oh, the trampoline sounds fun, but I would like to go with the changing coloured walls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read that and I was like, I don't even know what I would pick. But um, yeah, like the trampoline, like instantly I want to go into the, into that room. Yeah, yeah. But the, the changing walls, but oh, it could be depressing. And like, I would be really sad and then the room goes black. I know. Yeah, that is a bit sad. Oh, I changed my aunt. No, actually, I'm going to stick Oh, it just makes you think, doesn't it? Right. So Next one, Courtney, your turn. Um, Would you rather design a home for a client who insists on having a petting zoo in their backyard? Or a client who wants their entire home to look like a 1980s disco club. Oh, I choose the petting zoo. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I knew yeah. It. <laughs> They're nice to the animals, of course. But also, like, a <laughs> club could be fun. But maybe not all the time. No, I don't <laughs> know. I, I just like petting zoo. Oh, beautiful. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love animals. So. Um, well, the next one. Ooh, would you rather... Work on a project where all the furniture must be made from repurposed car parts or a project where everything must be covered in shag carpeting? Shag carpeting, definitely. <laughs> that was a very confident answer. That was so quick. Yeah, because I just like, I remember a house that we lived in that had like this mustard colored shag carpet. And I'm kind of like, you know what? You could actually make it look kind of cool. Yeah, you could. Trends are coming back. It all revolves, you know. Everything circles back. That's so Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I love that uh, all the questions, that was the one you were just like so straight up. Shag carpet. So funny. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. It's been a lovely break in my day. Yay. Yeah, I'm glad. It was so good. I loved all of your insights and I'm sure all of our listeners will love it as well. Yeah, so make sure everyone follows Kate Lawrence Interiors on Instagram. Is that your handle on Instagram? Yeah, that's my handle, yeah. yeah. I know this Simple, shit. sweet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Simple, effective. All right. All right, thanks, Kate. Thank you. Bye, girls. <laughs>